listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. Last week and today, we're leaning into that idea of taking control of our lives and being spirit-led so that we can make sure that what's on the field of our life is what needs to be there. You know, as a property owner and a property manager through the last 25 years, having owned some, overseen for other people, there is a fascinating moment when I as owner take the key that I own to my property and I hand it over to another family. It's a great trust that's created there. And every time I do, I always have dialogue with that new tenant and I let them know, I'm excited for you and your family. You're gonna make memories inside of this house. My commitment to you is that I'm gonna do everything I can so that while you're inside of this house, everything functions, everything works, you're safe. If you ever need anything, contact me. But in the process, you're able to build memories and life as someday you lean forward to own a house of your own. And those have been, for the most, most cases, about 95% of the cases, that's been a wonderful experience. There have been a few cases when it's not been so wonderful where people have moved into the house and began to do things or, or get involved with stuff on the property that was actually damaging not only to my property, but also to the people in the neighborhood. And when those times have happened, I've leaned into the contract that I provided because contracts are good. They keep neighbors honest and we all understand what's going on, what I commit to you, what you commit to me. And every tenant I've ever had has signed that contract, as have I, and it's the rules for what takes place on this house, what you can expect of me, what I can expect of you. And in those moments when I've discovered that there's a problem, I meet, and as the owner of the property, it's my intention for my, my guests to have the greatest experience possible, and we work to correct what's going on in that home or for my analogy's sake, what's going on in life so that the best life can be experienced. I actually have some lines in my contract that have been informed by my experience. One of the rules with a house that I own is you are not allowed to call the satellite dish company and have a satellite installed on my house. Now I've had one neighbor, one new tenant say to me, but Steve, I'm a Christian. And I have no access to, this is years ago, no access to Christian TV, but I have these two different satellite companies. And if they come and put these satellites in, then I'll be able to access more of God. Sounds like a great, great, great reason. Except I had a tenant who did that one time and the people installing the satellite dishes only care about giving you the service, not the condition of my property. And what they did was, as they installed the satellite dish on the roof, they drilled through the roof with screws, penetrating the roof, and water began to leak inside of that roof. They ran the cord for the satellite down through, kicked out that little screen that's on the top up by, it's in the eaves, but it's up near the roof area. The screen is there to keep birds out, but they broke that out to put the cable in. And when they did, it was springtime and the house is next to a forest. And guess what? We had flocks and droves and all kinds of wildlife living up in the attic. And so there's some understanding I have for some of my rules. Uh, in houses that I rent out or oversee, there's no private businesses to be done in this house. And while everybody has a little side hustle, they can't be done in my houses because I've had people sell pythons from my house and drugs from my house. And one guy doing auto body work and filled the entire house with all of the dust from his body work. And I had to repair the entire home heating system, replace it and the carpet. Because 
There are rules to actually keep this thing on track so we all have a better experience. There are sometimes things that end up on the property that shouldn't be there for everybody involved in rentals and also in life. And this verse stands out to me out of the book of Mark chapter 16, verse 17. And it says, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. And to put it into today's understanding, not that demons aren't real, they are, spirits are real. But you as the owner of your territory that God has given you, you have the right when you recognize something shouldn't be on this playing field to cast it out. Not just the right, the responsibility, the authority, and the power to do so. Amen? Why don't you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to be in your house for the strength of your word. Lord, I trust this morning that today will bring clarity to this idea that we're talking about, to take a concept that many have pushed over into the extreme margins and maybe even into the historical past and to understand this is something that has impacted their life since before they were born. It's impacted their families. It impacted their birth. It impacted their childhood and might even impact their life now. But Lord, there's solutions and we're able to step into those. And so I pray that you'll help your people step in to all the good things that you have for them. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand before you're seated. And you may be seated. And I uh, want to let you know today, in order to be able to share this truth with you uh, that we've been talking about, we're going to be enjoying an illustrated sermon. On the process, last week, we began to talk about spirits and demons. And don't get all crazy and let's not make it a bigger thing than it is. It's a reality in life, and yet it's not the main focus or the main thing. It's not even the secondary thing. But it is an important thing for you to understand how it works and how it functions. And last week, I really tried to lean into the idea for you to not be so captivated by the extremes. That when we read the Bible, yes, the man named Legion, he had a legion of demons living inside of him, and it caused him to behave in such erratic ways that the disciples or prior to meeting the disciples, his city actually chained him up down by the river, down by the, by the sea. And this man would scream and he'd break the chains and he would cry out at night. He was in such torture, he'd actually take rocks and carve into his skin just to bring a little bit of relief. There's a lot of times when we read in scripture and we think about spirits and demons, we put them into that category. We put them into the category of possession. But what I wanted you to grab last week is that is not, not only not the only way that spirits affect our lives, but it's not the most common way they affect our lives. In fact, demons and spirits are more interested in influencing your life than maybe possessing. In the process, they don't need to possess because they can whisper, they can mislead, they can give you a little tap, a little budge, they can stir things up with inside of you if they're allowed, that allow you to hear suggestions and be misled to, res, uh, to experience resisting when there's an open door that God wants you to go through. They can fight to keep that door closed. And the crazy thing about their function where it's most effective, it's not really visible that it's them doing it. They're in camouflage. They work behind the shadows. They are enemies of what God has for your life. But in the process, because they function in the shadows, you begin to think to yourself, like, well, I guess this is just one of the challenges of life. I guess this is one of my difficulties. 
I guess this is just something I'm going to have to work through. And almost because of our being misled, we stand back and we allow these things to populate the field of our lives. And so my challenge for you today is going to be to recognize when there's opposition, when there's something that's fighting against God's best things in your life, to be able to see them, to recognize them and understand how to evict them. Because today we're talking about eviction day. All day today will be eviction day. We're gathering tonight for spirit night to worship, to pray, to ask God to pour out even in a greater degree his Holy Spirit in our lives who empowers us for eviction day, but so that we deal with the things in our life that have been there that shouldn't be, that God's given us power over. In order to better communicate this idea to you, how these spirits have functioned in your life from the first day man ever experienced, maybe right up until today, functioning in your life, I present you with an illustrated sermon entitled, Eviction Day. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And on the sixth day, God formed man. In his image and in his likeness, man was a people that he loved dearly. And as a significant part of their relationship and plan together, God gave man the key to an amazing territory on the earth and called it abundant life. And though God remained creator, owner of abundant life, man was given charge as ruler of the vast territory that included many fields, all of which had a clear view and understanding, even access to God. And as man was enjoying the many fields that God had given him, the very enemy of abundant life, Satan and his most effective spirit known as deception entered man's territory and began a conversation. Deception began whispering lies into man's ear. Lies about an even better territory with even better fields that made for an even more abundant life. And over time, deception was able to convince man to trade the key that God had given him for a bigger, better key to a bigger, better territory and an even more abundant life that sadly did not exist. So man was deceived, but as is always the case with deception, he was unaware that he had been deceived. And after the exchange of keys, Satan took over as the new and rightful ruler of the territory he had been given by man. And although man was allowed to remain in the territory, the presence of deception kept him from being able to really see how his choice had radically impacted every field in the territory and how the territory had shifted from abundant life to survival life, leading to death and destruction. While thinking he was still in charge, he was unable to see that his key was a fake and that Satan was now ruler of his vast territory. To make matters worse, man's view of God, his understanding and his access to God became obstructed and skewed by deception's lies. 
And over time, Adam was permitted to add good things to his territory, things like health and relationship purposes and all sorts of good things. As he did, deceptions, lies kept Adam, uh, kept Adam from seeing the impact and the diminishment presented by deception. As time continued to pass, additional spirits began to migrate towards Adam's territory. And as they did, deception's lies kept Adam from seeing these demons for who they really were. Spirits including deception, fear, poverty, jealousy, all welcomed by Adam, allowing them to put down deep roots growing stronger and stronger over time. Impacting Adam's territory, stripping the abundant life God originally intended from everything that they could touch. While this presentation to this point has been dramatic, I want to draw your, your attention to a couple of things. That this represents literally from Genesis up to the New Testament, the actual legal transaction what has happened in this world. And while God still exists in his triune form, and he created this world and he owns it, and at this level, the life that we live, the authority to live a life that is abundant has been traded because of deception and by rightful authority known as the God of this world, the ruler of the universe, Satan functions in the world today. Much like if you were to hand over the keys to your car as the owner to someone to borrow it, whatever they do with that car away from your presence, you have given them the right and authority to do so. And you as the owner might want to correct that, but there's a process. But while in possession of the keys, the key holder has all authority. And so Adam, as he began to live his life, experienced this very thing in the garden. Now what's fascinating is that over time, generations have been born onto this territory, into these fields of life. As you read through the generations and you add to people, like Trisha, who's gonna jump up here, who was born into this territory called life. And looking out, I see Marina. She was born into this territory. She's gonna come as well. She didn't know it, but she was born. She knew she was born, but she didn't know she was born for this illustration. And I'm um, looking back and also Shane came into this world with a loud hurrah and he arrived into this world. The problem is with the existence of deception who functions very well as deception was able to be involved in man's life. Deception whispers into the lives of children as they're being born, into the families that they're being born into. Deception functions on some level in all of our lives. And hear me for a moment. Deception has been hard at work in your life as well. Now, the thing that's amazing about deception, it looks very beautiful because it's a liar. And as it whispers in our ear and we find ourselves here, it functioning in the background, a lot of times we can't see deception because it's in the backgrounds and we're allowed a skewed view of God 
thinking that somehow God is the author of the insanity at times that takes place here. And although we're able to experience some of the good things in life, deception skews it and sometimes uses us to skew it. I want you to be very clear of this point. This has functioned in your life and may be functioning actively in your life without your knowledge. But part of why Jesus came is to help you to be able to see what's going on. Give these three a big hand as they find their seats because they represent you. And I just want to give you really quick a couple of access points. How these things not only end up on the stage of life, but then specifically for the three who were up here, how these, these spirits function in our lives. Number one, they go after especially the, uh, the uh, number one, you already gave, so we're, we're good there. Number one, they go after people who are vulnerable. And it's interesting that when you read through Scripture, you discover as they go after the vulnerable, the children are impacted by these. Many of the people who had these challenges in their life, they were children, right? Second point that I want to draw to your attention is their access point are to the ignorant. You know, sometimes we invite somebody with a different agenda than we think into our lives, but because we've invited them, the activity that they're up to comes along. Sometimes we're ignorant of what it is. Sometimes our ignorance is, is not, don't hear stupidity, it's a lack of clarity. You know that in the Bible that there were some who were sick with diseases and they thought it was a medical issue, but in reality what they were experiencing was the function of deception and actually sickness imposed by some of these. And that is certainly a reality. Another access point that we see in Scripture is just direct attack. Corey Maury mentioned this this morning. Sometimes it's just trauma. Maybe you were a child especially. You were living in a family and trauma impacted your family. Something happened to somebody in your family. They ceased life. They were taken out in a tragedy. Maybe they took their own life. Maybe they just simply left. And when they left, you experienced abandonment. You didn't know the details, you didn't know why, but then deception came over and began whispering in your ear, telling you that the reason why they left was because of you. And for a child, that is debilitating. Maybe drugs came into your world as a small child because of your family. See how a child is vulnerable? I know this, if I know anything about you, I know this, that so many of you have experienced things you should have never experienced in your childhood and your teenage years. And because of the function of the strongest of all, deception, he has at times successfully twisted your view to think you actually deserved some of the function of these things in your life. See again, it's not really the issue isn't possession for 99% of the people. The issue is being deceived, whispered to, believing what is said that is untrue, causing us to shrink down and be locked into place while its lie becomes stronger in who we are. And that direct attack that happens, maybe driving simply down the road and doing what you can to pay attention, someone else not paying attention, ramming into your vehicle and you experiencing some trauma and then fear from that point forward. Fear is a, one of those crazy things. 
also very, 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 very strong to function in our lives. I remember as a child, my family was involved with the death of another child. And then when I became a parent, I began to hear the whispers and experience this. When, as I looked at my first child, I heard the whisper of your family is responsible for someone not being on this planet. I'm coming after yours. Man, that's powerful. I began to experience the, the push of fear. No matter where I'm trying to go, it's constantly affecting my view, my interactions, my function. Next way of uh, access point is sins of participation. When I was a kid, I engaged in things I knew that was wrong. And when I did, the thing I didn't know about sins of participation are was that, yes, I get to grab the thing that I want, that I see with my eye, but with participation, there's also consequences. There's things I can't see as I invite this thing into my personal space, not just the space of the world, but into my personal space. As they begin to get close to me, they attach themselves in ways that I can't shake them off. As I rob something, I feel entitled, but after I've robbed, I don't feel like I have enough. And so a spirit of poverty attaches itself to me. And so I have to continue to rob and steal. And even if I become successful, sometimes in my success, I can still function with the impact and influence of a spirit of poverty. So I've got to show everybody my cool stuff because it becomes my value. Because I feel and all that's stripped away, valueless. Man, that will really impact your life. There's also, next, sins of reaction. Sins of reaction are when something bad does happen to you, but you grasp a reaction because of deception. You grasp onto a reaction that actually is sinful. Rage. Vengeance unforgiveness, all of these things, as mentioned earlier, they become a part, and although they're not named and listed here, these things begin to attach themselves to us, and we carry them wherever we go. We carry them into relationships. And so now when something bad triggers that rage, all of a sudden you take out rage on the very people that you love, but that's how effective these things can be in our lives. Last and probably biggest, and I won't spend as much time on this, but I put them all on one line because the scriptures put them all on one line. It's the idea of rebellion. The Bible says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It's also parallel to being involved with the occult, occultic practices. This is where we know that God exists and he has a right way, but we reject God and we pursue another spiritual means false religion, a twisting of scripture, a involvement in practices, even though we know we are only to pray to God, yet we get involved with praying to spirits. And I want you to know that's a dangerous spot and that's very real. My family has some, my previous, my, my extended family has some attachments to that. My grandmother regularly went to palm readers and they would actually, she would come back with information and it's real that no one else could know that would set up the warning for me. And the thing I needed to do was informed by that woman revealed stuff that she couldn't otherwise know. And yes, that's very real because the Bible talks about familiar spirits. Spirits don't have a lifetime like you and I have been hanging around a long time. So they know things about your family's generation 
that you don't know or you do know but think no one else knows. And in a setting like that, an invitation, an open door to spirits allows them to communicate a truth that you think, oh, what they're about to say is so important because they know something that no one else knows when in reality, deception is involved the entire time to put you in a stronghold and attach those things to your life. And some of you have been involved with that stuff and because of Jesus, you've broken free. And you know that we don't need to talk to spirits because God is a, re a revealer of mysteries and secrets and the Holy Spirit can speak to us and lead us into truth and we can walk in the truth and he can do stuff better than what, what evil spirits can do and empower our lives as well. And so these are some very powerful ways that spirits can function in our lives. But I want you to know this is not the end of the story, right? There's a phenomenal world-changing, eternity-shifting, incredible moment that happened that means we no longer have to live our lives according to the set-up rules that are established and rightfully achieved and possessed. We no longer, though, have to be a victim to this, and we will step into that next chapter in just a second. And then, God's commitment and love for man and his eternal purposes for the territory began to shake the heavens and the earth as God began to release his incredible, powerful, redeeming response that would provide the means to wipe away man's deception, repositioning him to see, understand, and have access to God once again, and take his rightful place as ruler over the territory God had assigned to him, that territory known as abundant life. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ, the Son of God, appeared to destroy the works of the devil. And when he came into the world, he said, a body you have prepared for me. And when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them. And then he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last, the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the key! Something has shifted in our story. The opportunity for something to shift has definitely taken place. Jesus came in his authority as a sinless man, and absolutely, because he had the authority of heaven and none of the function of these having an attachment in his life, he said, you have no hold on me. His life wasn't taken, and although he stepped into the world where man was living, he had the right to step into the holy place of heaven because he was sinless. And in giving his life, he paid your penalty, the price to get your key back, and he stepped up into the heavens. 
he assumed the place that was originally given to you, holding the key in his hand and having removed deception, the possibility of it. But what's really important for you to understand is while this is true and Jesus is alive and God still on the throne as he always has been, the potential is there, but that doesn't mean anything has actually changed in your life. This is the important thing for you to grasp. I'm gonna summarize what happens to your life the moment you begin to hear the draw of the Spirit of God saying, you are not who you think you are, you are my son, and I have called you to a bigger thing to rule over your life, not just be in survival life. In order for the impact of jealousy and deception and all of these other items to be moved out of your life, while everything has been put into play, you have a role to play. When Jesus said, it is finished, he meant that everything necessary for all of this to shift to what it should be has been presented to you. It's on the shelf, and in order for things to actually begin to change, you need to embrace them and begin to shift into them. So let me describe those steps for you, how life actually shifts. Number one, man, which also represents you, in order to see this shift take place, and I could add a number of others of you to the platform, in order for you to be able to shift into your rightful place, leading your own life, stepping out of survival life because you're called to rule and reign with Christ over your own life. Down here, you're just a victim to circumstances. But to move, it's not just the fact that Jesus did it, but number one, you have to then turn and submit your life to the one who has taken possession of it, amen? Powerful visual. Stay there just for a second. Nothing shifts until you do this. This is not about believing in God. This is about surrendering who you are, what you've been through, what has happened in your life to the only one who can change your life. Some of you come to this moment stronger than others, more financially rich than others, maybe with more baggage than others, more esteemed by others, but we all come to this place. In order for this to shift as God intends, it requires you to submit yourself to God. It's a beautiful scripture, but it's you and I surrendering our lives, our past, our hurts, their impact, the things that we've been through, submitting them to God. It's kneeling before him and confessing with your mouth, you are God, you are Lord, I give you my life, amen? Now something beautiful happens in that confession. In fact, as you do this, there's a quick and steady invitation into the next step where the Son of God invites you upward so that you can then take your rightful place to take your rightful authority in step number two, where you move into a place where he gets rid of the deception of the fake rulership you have. He hands you the true authority over your life given by him. He invites you to step up to rule. This is not the throne of heaven. This is rulership of your life. Heaven exists over all of this, and we didn't have a third section, third level to the stage, so we couldn't build it. People's head would be up in the ceiling. But 
You are called to rule and reign over your life. You are a king and you are a priest because of what Jesus has done. If you submit your life and then will actually take your rightful place. Now deception is going to continue to try to whisper to you that you don't belong up there. That key doesn't work. Why have you gotten rid of the other key? going to constantly continue to whisper. You want to know why? Because deception is still here in the world that we live in. And in fact, the truth is, in order for you to actually have an effect on deception and all of these other demons, spirits, lies, seeds that have been planted in our, in our lives, you're going to have to actually get your head out of the clouds and step down into your life and begin to take control. You step into authority. Now, here's the thing I'm going to suggest for you. These things have been functioning for a long time in your life. Deception at first, and then we've got poverty, fear. We've got jealousy and some other things. The beautiful thing that Jesus said is that if I go away, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send one who will be your helper. Amen? And so the Holy Spirit comes into our lives to function very practically on a moment-by-moment basis, daily basis, to be our helper. And in fact, the Bible says, when you experience the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power. What do you need power for? Because these things are dug in. They are. Some of you know that. You've experienced that. But when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, this is your helper. In fact, God the Father, still in heaven, the Bible says. And seated, well, standing at his right hand, is the Son of God. And they can see all that is going on. But you have the key to your life, the authority, because you've submitted. Now here becomes the very important thing. Step number three, it's you, after you partner with the power of the Holy Spirit, number four, is that you must command the departure of these things in your life. This is what discipleship is all about. As you begin to follow Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit functioning in your life, there's gonna be some things about your life that you begin to discover that, ooh, that's not good. I've allowed deception to deceive me, and so now I'm jealous. Like, I've got coworkers at work. I feel insecure. They do a good job, so I spread lies and rumors about them because I'm jealous, because I've been deceived that somehow that's gonna make me more valuable. And just a little simple thing like that, we begin to experience as the Holy Spirit, who is the revealer of truth, becomes the new whisperer into my ear. The whisperer of truth. So when I read the word, I can hear the Spirit whisper into my ear. When I'm worshiping God in church, when I'm walking down the road, when I'm saying, God, I need to hear from you. God's not speaking out of heaven. He sent his Spirit here to reveal to me truth. Now, I can actually forget about the Holy Spirit and come over here and do my own thing and row my boat with the paddles. And even though I have authority, I don't know where I'm going, but the Holy Spirit is so good to, hey, get my attention and try to get my, I think it's working. I think the Holy Spirit has his attention. Amen? Okay, awkward. Okay, it's a good thing and to bring him back to his rightful place and to help steer and guide him. So we partner with the power, but then we begin in this process to begin to 
recognize that these things are in our lives and they need to go. Just a little pause for you just mentally. Just because you're Christian doesn't mean they go. Just because Jesus is Lord doesn't mean they go. Just, just because you have the Holy Spirit in your life doesn't mean that you go, that they go. Anytime I've had to do an eviction, it is actually a formal act. It's I need to go to the person occupying my property and I need to say, hey, there's a problem here. You don't belong in this, what you're doing here. And I actually have to establish a formal conversation and tell them to go. I recognize that they're not who they say they are. I recognize they shouldn't be on my territory. It's not my best thoughts. I wish that they would give me my keys back. I literally need to go and push them out the door off of the territory of my life. Formally, I go to them. I call them by name. What's that? They can't, that thing can't hear you. Poverty. poverty. Wow. <laughs> Apparently poverty wasn't really dug in as deeply as we thought. And some things drop off easy. But then we move on to things that maybe have been there a little longer, things deeper like, like fear. And so we begin to go to fear and we begin to and they say no. And then we realize, oh, I'm trying to do this in my own. And I say, Holy Spirit, what do I say? Holy Spirit, help. Holy Spirit, help. We better get this part down. It's a Holy Spirit, you've come to help me. Let's go. And we begin to push this together. And guess what happens? A day goes by. And then we're doing something else, and all of a sudden, guess who wants to come back again? Because fear is pesky. Anybody you know? Come on, it will come on. There's no closed door. And we and Holy Spirit, it would be great if Holy Spirit would work that way. But really what has to happen is Holy Spirit gets behind you to push fear off. And together you together you do it. Together you do. Okay. All right. You work with what you got. You guys are awesome. Okay. Um, so we move on to some other challenges that become uh, tough ones like jealousy, and they want to fight a little bit more, so we have to call them by name. And jealousy fights back, and the Holy Spirit strengthens us, and it's a little bit grisly, and, but we speak to it, and we tell it to go away. And like all other spirits, it'll try to come back, but we have, you don't have to, we, you understand where I'm going with this. Uh, one of the challenging ones is to recognize deception. Finally, because of the Holy Spirit, man is able to see deception for what it is. He has the Word of God, and he has the Spirit of Truth. Powerful, dynamic duo. If you're not reading your Bible, you're handcuffing this process. Read the Bible daily, and invite the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy, invite the Holy Spirit. He is a he. He is there, but he is not engaged unless you invite him to be engaged. And so you continue to engage him, and then he reveals deception, and then you push deception off of the play of your life. This one's stubborn. You've known this one for a long time. You've known this one since birth. And we push deception off. And then ultimately, we're able to resist the devil and he is able to be forced off through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the authority of man. 
Can I hear any applause? Okay. Come over here for a second, guys. This is you, and this is how it works. That's interesting. This is a shift. It's awkward for you to talk to people and awkward to have a conversation have a conversation with the Holy Spirit? Some of you, it's awkward. Some of you have never had a conversation with the Holy Spirit. And you need to shift out of that because He is here. He. And He responds as a person because He's a person. If Jesus walked into the room, you wouldn't throw Him happy thoughts. You'd call out, Jesus, come here! And He would respond, and you could respond. These are relationships that you grow into. In experiencing this is one thing that does not happen. And this is something that many of you do. And as I prayed with several people last week at the altar, this actually happened here. This is not my condemnation, not my rebuke. This is hopefully to help you to understand a thing that Christians, this is, this is why their lives are still populated with jealousy and fear and unforgiveness and poverty. Because man, not holding his key, makes a phone call to God much like a police officer who has a badge and who has a gun. He's got a badge called authority. He's got a gun or power like the Holy Spirit. But when he sees the presence of jealousy, he calls up his captain who's at the precinct. And he says, Captain, Captain, Captain. What? There's a bad guy down here working in my life. Yeah. Captain, 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 you can't believe what he's doing. I can see what he's doing. Captain, 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 hold on a second. My captain knows what you've been doing. My, you're gonna be in, when my captain gets here, you're gonna be in trouble. And we end up having a conversation with our captain about the thing that's on our territory. And we expect our captain to leave the precinct, get in his car, drive down and handcuff up the bad guys on our field, when in reality, God has given us everything that we need to take control of our lives and the power to do so because of what Jesus did in our life. Amen? That's the shift that you need to see. Some of you are waiting for the captain to leave the precinct to deal with stuff that Jesus already provided for you to be able to deal with yourself. And once you begin and begin to pray accordingly because prayer is not just talking to God. Prayer is using your spiritual voice to speak to yourself sometimes and sometimes to speak to the evil, the enemy. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. Many times Jesus spoke to spirits and said, be gone. And you know, interesting thing that they did, sometimes they tried to talk back as they like to and he says, shut up. Maybe he didn't use the shut up word. He said, be quiet. I added the shut up. Mom, dad, I apologize. He said, be quiet. Why? Because if you let this thing talk, it'll convince you that it's part of your life. Fear, no matter what it is. And so today, you command their departure. And sometimes they leave easily. And sometimes it's a wrestling match. One of the things that I love about this relationship of being man and having the Holy Spirit is we also, we have, uh, we have some spiritual friends and our spiritual friends find out the struggle maybe that we're having. This is why we, we're part of a church family, because we don't have to do this on our own. And so, well, I can't invite Satan back into the picture. Um, come on up here. 
and we invite friends. And this is why we share with our friends the struggles that we're going through, the things that have happened, some of the trauma. And they begin to help us to overcome and they pull in nice and tight. And they, 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 they together begin to battle the things that are going on in their life, amen? And so that's how over your lifetime, although we did this in two minutes, we evicted all of these things. Some of these lies have been impacting your life for years and years, and it'll take some work. It'll take some discipleship. It'll take a friend pointing it out to you. The Holy Spirit will direct that friend. Sometimes it's reading the Bible. Sometimes it's spirit night, and it evicts that thing. Again, not just possession. Sometimes the residue of a lie from years ago, you're stupid. You're not wanted. And we have clarity, and we push those things back. Why don't you give our team a, a big hand as they make their way down. Our worship, worship team's going to come. Great job, man. Our worship team's going to jump up here on the platform. I'm going to have you stand with me, and I'm going to invite you to do two things. Number one, if you've yet to bow your knee and submit your life to Jesus, today's the day that you need to do this. It's, it begins the process of everything shifting. And we're going to pray in just a second. And all you simply need to do is say, Lord, I, I, I hear the truth. I, I surrender my life to you. I don't know what that, all that includes. This is brand new for me. God understands. And you submit your life to him. Some of you, as we pray, you're going to recognize that it's time for you to pick up, time for you to pick up the key and step into authority. Stop being a victim on the field that Jesus gave his life so that you could be victor over. I guess this is the way it's going to always be. Yeah, because deception is so loud in your ears. This is not the way it's going to be. Today is eviction day. With our mouth, we declare over our lives, I will be called to be the head and not the tail. I will win. I don't have to beat you. God can help us both to win. God can help me to step into the good places that my life is supposed to experience. These things that are holding me back are not a forever thing. They're until thing, until I step through and God can help me. Amen? And so if that's you today, I want you to step into it. We're going to go ahead and pray. I just want to invite you to come and gather with me up towards here to the front just before we start to sing. And I want to pray a quick prayer over you. Those of you who recognize maybe your need for Jesus, maybe you recognize your need to step into authority, maybe you actually have some stuff going on in your life you need to push out, and maybe all is good for you. I just want you to come. And we're going to surround this stage just in a, in a posture of faith. It's our declaration that I believe the Word of God. God has good things for my life. I'm going to fight for them and step into them. Come on, come on. Join, up, join me up here in the front, and we're going to sing this song together, okay? And as you come, Father, say this with me. I give you my life. Come on, move over here so the guys in the aisles can come. Come on, you guys. Come on. Let them come over. Hey, good to see you, man. Good to see you, John. Come on, today's the day to do battle. Today's the day to do some battle. Jay, today's the day to do some battle right? There's some things that have been hanging around in our lives that should not be in our lives anymore. There are some things that should not be in our lives anymore, right? It's not going to hold us back forever. Today's a day. It's eviction day. It's time to declare it with our lips, right? Okay, let's, I'm going to look at you in the eye. We're going to pray. If you need to ask Jesus into your life, say, Jesus, come into my life, okay? If you need to step into authority, Lord, I, not help me step into authority, not give me authority. Oh, office captain, come and help me to have authority. No, take the authority that's been laid at your feet. Pick it up, champion it. Say, thank you, God, for my authority. Thank you, God, for my authority. 
Come on. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for this moment. Today is eviction day for some of these people. Lord, this morning represents a starting point, a revelation. For some, this is the continuation of journey. Jesus, we surrender our lives to you. Jesus, we surrender our lives to you. We allow this field to come into play for the supernatural things that you sent your son for. Father, we invite you. We invite you to take control of our lives. We surrender our lives to you. Lord, I pray that as we follow after you, you will teach us to step into strength, step into Holy Spirit power, to step into presence, to learn how to see things for what they really are, to how to then step into prayer in an effective way so that we can see things change so that we can evict the things that should not be in our life, whether it be fear, whether it be unforgiveness, whether it be a, a sin of participation where we stop participating, or a, a sin of response where we've been angry, we've been bitter, that we don't just try, but that we speak to it and tell it to be gone. And once we evict it, we bar the door. So today we surrender our lives right here and right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this day, if we haven't already, it's not just a morning, but it's a day. More to come this afternoon as we pray and prepare. More to come this evening as we step into this house to experience you, as we invite the Spirit into our lives in a greater measure, and we rise up and take authority over the things that would stop us. Father, I speak your peace over your people right now. I speak your confidence. I speak your Spirit. Receive His Spirit in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church.